If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 449, coming to you on Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. We're going to look ahead to Saturday night's USC-Arizona State battle at the Coliseum. Take your questions and so much more. As always, feel free to follow us on social media. We're at Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. You You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And our email address is reignoftroy at fansided.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, and you can follow me on Twitter at MichaelCastFS, and I'm joined along with my wonderful co-host, Penguin of Troy on Twitter. You know her, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, that intro is still a little clunky. No, still, I think I think it works. Still, I think still it flows. Work, still working it a little bit. I think so. I think you're, you're getting into the flow of it. You're sort of figuring it out. It's, you know... One of the things that I've talked about before, I, I put this on on Twitter a few days ago. That I, I'm sad that the the rant line is um, currently in hiatus um, because we a we can't do the intro, but b I miss all of you guys, all of you rotbots calling into the rant line uh, or the rave line. It would have been a rave line on Saturday night after the Oregon State game. I miss hearing you guys and. You know, it definitely comes up when uh, it's not in the intro anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a bummer. Um, I don't know what I like I, at this point. I just don't know what to do about it, and that makes me sad. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, we do. We'll make the most of it uh, here, as we say, with uh, us being live. On the YouTubes, thanks for joining us if you're joining us here on YouTube. As always, be sure to like this stream and subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Helps grow the channel, helps us get to more uh, other USC fans and convert them into being Rockbots. Yeah, I mean, that's subscribing is the number one thing you can do for the show right now. Um, it would mean a lot to us. Uh, the, the building, the community that we have over on YouTube is our main priority at the moment. And it has been growing so fast and we are so thankful to everyone who has already subscribed. But for those, uh, those stragglers who haven't quite jumped on the, on the train yet, even if you're a podcast listener, just jump over to YouTube real quick, hit the subscribe button and you will be doing us a huge, huge favor and we will love you forever. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, we did get a new review over on Apple Podcasts, a four-star review, which comes from Mr. Interval. Great, but the overuse of the word like. Great, but please, dot, 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 stop saying the word like, or it's like constantly. It's unprofessional and annoying. Alicia, could you like stop like doing that? please? <laughs> I mean, I think that's a lot my fault. Um, Thanks for the. I mean, I'm guilty too. Yeah, we're both guilty. Uh, I am a Valley girl, so maybe that's my excuse. <laughs> Thank you for the for the review, Mister Interval. I will say that we both have self scouted ourselves on many occasions and have done a lot of work to try and limit the amount of likes and uh, I mean, and just like the pauses and and filler words that we do to try and sound more professional. At the same time, we. Part of me wants this podcast to feel like an actual conversation between Michael and I. And sometimes that'll mean that instead of just, you know, talking slower, like you might hear from a talking head on NFL Sunday countdown, sometimes I'm just going to let it rip. And if that's not your cup of tea, then I get it. But that's that's also going to be part and parcel of the way that we talk sometimes. And like I said, we are conscious and we are trying we do try to not fall back on those on those kinds of things, but they're gonna happen, uh, and that's that's uh, that's my take on it. Not not trying to like say like you know, take take the the advice and throw it out or whatever. We are conscious of that. There's just so, there's just something about the way that we speak that is maybe always going to include that kind of thing. And well, I. I disagree with the unprofessional in a part. Uh, annoying, maybe, certainly. I, 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 I hear you. We're all annoyed by different things. Uh, I will say there's no bigger critics to either one of us than ourselves. Yeah. Every time I listen to the pod or even just in the middle of a pod and I say things like 100% or 1,000% or whatever it is, like I hate that I use the same words over and over again. But when you're doing something, especially live, we're doing this live for the first time this year. It's incredibly difficult. Like in a car cast, when we're doing, when there's like you know hundreds of people on it at the same time, and you and have we're to, digesting new information, and yeah. you, you're you're reading the chat, and you're you're conversating, and you you have to have something interesting, and you have to be on it every second. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, and sometimes you're going to have to use a uh, the the four letter L word uh, every now and then. Um, but I will not, you know, feel guilty for saying that. Uh, be sure to like the subscribe yeah. the, uh, the, the video. Um, there you go. Yeah, yeah. The Touchdown more likes- USC says happy to give you guys a like. Yeah, yeah, the more likes we can get, the better. So uh, every time you hear us say like on the show, then that's your reminder that you're supposed to go like the video on uh, on YouTube. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that is a game and not an annoyance. <laughs> we need, we need a ticker. We need a ticker. We need a like ticker. <laughs> of, of all the stuff but yeah. yeah thanks for the review as always and if you're listening to us and you'd like to leave a review go over and head to apple Podcasts, and you can leave a review there as well uh alicia let's get to the news there is a little bit of it and then we'll get into talking about usc and asu who are locking horns saturday night at the coliseum 
Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match up up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there... The king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. We got to start with uh, Lincoln Riley. Uh, who has some comments after the Oregon State win on a couple of different things. Uh, He talked about Caleb Williams and his performance against Oregon State. Quote, he had one of those nights where he wasn't at his best throwing-wise. It's going to happen, even to the best of throwers. That last throw, there ain't five dudes in the country that make that throw, especially in that moment. He'll be fine. Yeah, I I liked that Riley said this. This was on Tuesday, so this was after our fallout show. And it sort of encapsulates exactly what I was approaching this game with. He had an off night. I think that you start to push the panic button on Caleb Williams when he has two or three off nights in a row. And then you're like, well, this might actually impact the wins and losses of the season. But for now, you have to approach it from it was an off night. He gets he gets a a really good opportunity here against ASU to settle himself down. And I hope that he takes it. Yeah, he, he 
wasn't great on, on Saturday. 16 of uh, 36, 44.4% of his passes were completed, but he made the big pass when he had to. Uh, and like we talked about, he was instrumental on the ground yeah. with his legs, not only just picking up yards when he needed to on that fourth down run. Uh, he wasn't going to pick up all of them himself. He needed that knee on nudge. Um, but how many times did he avoid sacks and do all the little things there? Yeah. And he didn't turn the ball over. And usually when you're talking about a bad quarterback performance, you're talking about turnovers. You're talking about um, fumbles, interceptions, all those things uh, that are that ruin your chances of winning a football game. Caleb Williams, even on a bad night, did not do those things. Uh, and I think that goes a long way in telling you that even when he might be off, he's not going to completely take SC out of a game that way. Um, and SC ultimately wins the game because they hang around enough. They get help from the defense um, and they're able to win. Uh, the, the key is how can he bounce back, you know, after those setbacks? He had those setbacks last last year um, year as a, as a freshman. We talked about that before. Uh, nine of 18 against Baylor, eight of 18 against Iowa State. And he bounced back with a three touchdown performance uh, in Bedlam. Nearly won the game, which would have um, been would have, super awkward because I don't know if Lincoln Riley comes to SC if he wins at Bedlam. Yeah, there's an alternate universe that I'd I'd be curious to get. In, uh, I would not love to see that alternate universe because I would be a little bit more worried about where <laughs> USC stands. But fascinating to see an alternate you, universe. You hate on the 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 um, Jack Del Rio Trojans right now. <laughs> what are they like? Two and two. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Uh, Lincoln Riley also talked about the Neilon nudge saying it was awesome. One of my favorite plays I've ever had anywhere that right there is everything that we've been preaching that gives you a chance, even when you're not at your best offensively. Yeah. And I think, I think he's spot on here as well. That is a highlight real play that you show to your entire team to say that effort will be rewarded being playing to the whistle will be rewarded. Um, putting yourself in the right position and, and following your your training to put yourself in the right position and you will be rewarded because Brett Nealon could have just taken the rest of that play off and, and ball watched essentially. And he didn't, he got into it, he got there and he made uh, the difference. I feel kind of bad that we are not, I love the Nealon nudge thing, but at the same time, like there were, there was an other offensive lineman involved in that in that push. Like so, I I I, but I couldn't identify who it was. So like, I feel like we're giving all the credit to Brett, and he deserves all the credit. But uh, there were, you know, I think USC's offense in general as a team was on point on that play uh, to make that happen. So kudos to everybody. Yeah, it got the huge first down. SC's able to stay alive and pull out the win. And it's remarkable how things completely change. If you, It literally is a game of inches. You get that first down, you stay in, you get the win, and people talk about the game in a completely different manner, mm -hmm. right? Um, yep. uh, that close to being a loss for USC, and it's not. Um, let's go and talk about uh, injury update. Uh, this happened, I want to say it was last week after the preview of yeah. the Oregon State game. We just didn't get to talk about it because it was late in the week. Uh, but Romello Height is going to be out for the season. He had season-ending uh, shoulder surgery. Yeah, so he suffered that injury early, and uh, it didn't sound like it was season-ending initially, but obviously they went through the process 
and figured out that he would be best off getting the surgery. So that's a bummer. Um, I would have been nice to see what he could accomplish as the season continued to go on. That's one less pass rusher that USC has. That's depth that I think could certainly become concerning later on in the season. On the plus side, Solomon Bird has been really uh, outstanding in that position for USC stepping in. We still haven't seen Corey Foreman. I don't, if I remember correctly, he did not play against Oregon State. So there's still big question marks around him, but he's hopefully lurking as a as an impact player potentially there. But it's a bummer. Just it's just yeah, yeah, disappointing. He's someone that you would have had you know high hopes for, Mister Height, um, coming into the season from Auburn. Uh, Touchdown USC in the chat says that uh, Monheim was the other nudge player. So. Yeah. Credit to Monheim as well. Don't want to don't want to leave him out of there. I'm sure the coaches have have, uh, have given him praise in in the uh, in yeah. the video sessions as well. If you go back and watch the the nudge play, like everybody was, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Ne- Nealon is the one that starts it, but yeah. there are a bunch of guys. Nealon alone might not have gotten Caleb across that line. The 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 pile moved, and that was really big. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and going back to height, it, it's just a matter of. Uh, next man up. How, yeah. how do you keep going forward? And the good thing for SC is, is this more of an opportunity for Solomon Bird? Uh, Solomon Bird, we saw have a big game against Fresno State. Uh, we we saw him against Stanford and and Oregon State have impacts as well. He, can he, he had? Con- I think- can he continue? He's not exactly playing the same position as, as Romello mm-hmm. Height, but he can at least provide production from uh, the defensive end spot. Yeah, I, I think if I remember correctly, Bird created an interception in that game, uh, or at least a, like a third down um, miss or whatever. I did just know that there was one play that was seared in my mind where he just got in Chase, Chance Nolan's face and the pass was bad, and I'm pretty sure it got intercepted. So, yeah, good for good for Bird. And, and that, isn't Bird a really good example of next man up? He was a guy who wasn't involved early in the season. He wasn't a guy who was getting the snaps, and he got them later on, and he's killing it. Yeah. Uh uh Noah G in the in the chat says is the coaching staff sending an important message to the team by not playing Corey and being down or mellow height. I don't think so. I don't think it's that deep. I don't think that you sacrifice playing one of your players on the road at Oregon State in a key early season game um just to make a statement. And and if you're doing that, I think it's a bad coaching yeah. move if you are. We here's what what I'll say. We're not gonna get. Uh, yeah, Tim Prangley is is confirming that the 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 right interception was the bird hurry. But um, thank you guys for filling in the gaps from the game here from us. But uh, but Corey dealt with injuries throughout the off season. We're not obviously going to get any injury updates uh, that they're not going to willingly give. And so I don't want to speculate too much that like this is definitely the thing, but. I would also wonder if maybe maybe there's a health thing going on that he's that's why he couldn't play. It would make more sense to me that it's a health thing than a they're like benching him for some reason uh, because he can't play or 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 sending a, a message or anything like that. The message that's sent, I think, is if you make plays, then you will play. And I think Solomon Bird is making the plays, so he's warranting those snaps. And uh, we will, like like I said, we'll monitor what Corey's status is for the rest of the season. But for now, USC is having to rely on Bird and some other guys, and they are getting the job done. Yeah. Uh, dare I say Bird is the word? Bird is the word. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about USC and Arizona State. Uh, Locking horns at the Coliseum, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, it's going to be uh, Rod Gilmore and the other guy who just completely escapes my mind for a second. Um, so I don't. Who, I don't know. Broad, you remember broadcasters in a way that I. I just don't. Well, like, Gilmore. I rem- Rod Gilmore is easy to remember. He, he's easy to remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I. I had this thought when I was making the the graphic here on um, for for YouTube. We have a little lower third. There's the like the logos and it's a little score bar that doesn't have the score in it because the game hasn't happened. Um, but it has the dates, October 1st. Let's see, you know what happened October 1st last, or, or when these teams met before? On October 1st, not last year, but in, in a past game? Yes. Uh, the ASU games that I distinctly remember in my life are the Lane Kiffin Tarmac game, which was earlier in the season, I think. <laughs> and the Thanksgiving game, which obviously was not October 1st. Yeah. So the reason I, I bring this up is because I go back to 2005. Um, USC. Was that in October? Was, uh, it was October 1st that yeah. SC went to Tempe. And I can tell you where I was for that game. The, I was the in York- Sacramento. <laughs> Watching in a back room because I was the only one who wanted to watch the game. So how did you feel when SC dropped down to a 21 to three deficit? I was losing my stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that was, uh, I I remember this because just last week I was putting together a Spotify playlist of the Eagles. uh, And I remember that I saw the first time I saw the Eagles in concert, September 24th, 2005. Uh, my parents and I went down and watched the Oregon game downtown. Um, cause it was like a, Early you know, kick. like a 4 PM kickoff or something in Eugene. Uh, and then we walked to Staples center for the concert afterwards. And I remember walking to the, to, to the concert, just telling my dad, like it was the greatest Pete Carroll uh, coaching job I've ever seen. Cause SC was down 13 to three in that game and ultimately blew them away. Uh, winning 45 to, to 13, I think. Um, 42 unanswered points, I believe, uh, against Oregon. Here we are, and we've talked about how USC's offense, all these different things compare back to 2005. This is uh, USC is running at the highest yards per carry clip since 2005. All, all these things and these stats go back to 2005, and yet here we are. And USC is once again playing Arizona State on October 1st, just like they did in 2005. That game, of course, a classic. If you are a new USC fan, if you have oh, not yeah. watched the 2005 SCASU game, go back and watch it. When you talk about, if you talk, if you talk to a USC fan about the Pete Carroll era and you ask what the classic USC performance is and when... USC fans talk about like second half adjustments in the Pete Carroll era. Yep. Watch this game and you will see exactly what that means <laughs> because wow, that was a, uh, that was a game in the second half. It was, it was incredible game day game there in Tempe. Uh, Josh Geyer says throwback to Dirk Cutter. Yeah. Dirk Cutter, by the way, the, uh, he's back at, at Boise State as a, an assistant, even yeah. though he was fired at Boise State um, almost two decades ago. 
Or did, did he wait? Did he leave there to go to ASU? I, I have no remember. idea. Uh, either way, um, 2005, hell of a game. SC wins 38-28 in a second half in which they ran the ball literally on every play, it felt like. Um, and Lendale and Reggie just ate after being down 21-3. So, which, I, which is one of my favorite things because, like, if you if you think about it, like, you're down 21-3, to what is your instinct? What do you do? And most most teams philosophically would just say, well, we're just going to pass. Right. But that Especially USC when you have team, the Heisman winner. Yes. But that USC team was like, no, we're going to run it down your throat and you're not going to be able to stop us. And that was just just chef's kiss. And then the defense really just turned things on and had that swagger back. The, the fourth down stop, Oscar Lua. Oh, yes. Yeah. Good old Oscar. We we should make this pod just like a a, a nostalgia pod. I mean, it's just like I have, remember that time. I have things to say about ASU, but none of them are particularly like. I I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but let's just, let's, th- this matchup is not necessarily a, a, a one that should go down in the in the record books as a as a danger team. All right, let's let's just get into it. Um. ASU uh, coming into the Coliseum with uh, no more Herm Edwards. Yeah, well, on our on our rundown, we have our overview for the team. So we have like record and last year's record and head coach. And I've literally written there, not Herm Edwards. <laughs> yeah, the head coach is not Herm Edwards, who was fired in his fifth year. Uh, they started one and two on the season, uh, including a loss to Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan, for the longest time, like the worst team in FBS. And um, of course, they beat ASU. A couple of weeks ago, that was it for old Herm. Uh, he's been replaced by Sean Aguano, uh, who's been the ASU running backs coach since 2019. Um, formerly the coach of Chandler High School for eight seasons. Won four state champs, yeah. uh, championships uh, there in the Grand Canyon State. Um, a, a local legend, but um, coaching ASU, especially in this year of the dumpster fire, uh, maybe not uh, his his best setup to uh, to get W's. Uh, they are 65th in SP plus 69th. Uh, nice uh, by uh, Jeff Sagarin. But uh, even that seems a little bit high um, for the Sun Devils. They are led by Emery Jones at quarterback. Um, this is a team that is 106th in scoring offense, 101st in total offense, 101st in passing offense, 123rd in third down conversion rates at 28.3%. Alicia, this team is bad. This is the worst team USC uh, has faced since Rice. Um, and I guess you can make the argument that um, Rice might be an ASU if they played today. The thing I'll say about Rice versus this ASU team is I think that that Rice offense at least has an identity of what they want to do and what they want to be. Yeah. And what I've always said is that when a team knows what they want to do and what they want to be, they can be dangerous even if they're not very good. And I think we saw that from Rice, where Rice was able to move the ball in in certain ways because they sort of had a, a plan. I don't know what this ASU offense wants to be. I know what they should want to be, but I don't think they're capable of being it. Yeah. This is this is a this is a this is a mess. Um, Emory Jones. So I watched the extended highlights of the Utah game, which maybe isn't fair because Utah is so much better than this ASU team. Yeah. And playing that Utah defense, it, it would be tough for even this USC offense. I think so. Not really fair. But 
what I can tell you my takeaway from from that was is they were put in a lot of third and forever situations. They were not having success on first or second down. That third down conversion percentage is very much uh, at least reflected from the Utah game that they're in like third and 12, third and 15. Um, they're not a very disciplined team, so they get a lot of penalties, which pushes them back into third and forever situations. Emory Jones, the quarterback, looks like he can make a throw. Like he he has a pretty a pretty decent arm when he's able to get a throw off. But they're 81st in sacks allowed this season. They're giving up 2.25 sacks per game. And they are bad sacks, like like the kind where the quarterback has no chance to get a pass off. And that's just sort of that's where they're at. Like I think their offensive line isn't very good. They're the quarterback can't make up for it. Uh, I think the rushing offense is what I, if I were them, is what I would sort of focus in on. Um, Zazavian Valade looks like he has some amazing burst. name, by the way. Amazing name. All name team. I'm like, I wish that I had been able to suggest him for our fansided.com all name team this season because that's just outstanding. Zazavian Valade, just A plus, A plus name. And a good rusher. He's averaging 6.52 yards per carry, but a lot of those are coming in chunks. And so it's very feast or famine. And that's sort of why they can't, again, they they can't get sustained drives because they're getting zero yards or 10 yards. Like it's just, they're in a, they're in a bad situation on offense. And I think this is actually the perfect offense for USC's defense to be facing right now as like a little test because we saw that they were vulnerable to Rice. We saw that they were a little less vulnerable to Fresno State, but still a little bit vulnerable. We saw that they were really able to shut down Oregon State when it mattered, not just from the turnovers, but the turnovers were obviously a big thing, but they they definitely took care of that business. This offense is going to be one that I'm going to be especially curious about how they fare against them because if ever there was a team that USC could stop in their tracks, it feels like this one. So if this ASU team is able to march down the field against this defense, then I think we can have another conversation about the vulnerabilities of this defense looking ahead to the rest of the season. But they shouldn't be able to. And so I, I, I want, really want to see USC's defense respond, build off of last week's performance. And ideally, I would love to see them shut down this offense without needing a turnover, without, you know, I, I want to see them yeah. force some punts. Let's see some punts. ASU has a good punter. Uh, Eddie Zlaplicki, am I saying that right? Zlaplicki looks right. Zlaplicki is a seventh nationally. Yeah, he's seventh nationally in punting. He's had to do a lot of it, but he's averaging 46 yards per punt. So, like, let's see a lot of Zlaplicki and and let's see how we can learn his name because I think this is a. this is going to be a show me game for this defense uh, for me. What is it with ASU always having good kickers and punters? They, they're like the kicker. They're the punter specialist sort of team. Yeah, they, they always always really have a good a good kicker and punter for sure. Um, yeah, I I like what you said there about like this is a a, a I wouldn't say that a, a challenge for USC's defense. Um, more so like this is your opportunity to go out there and prove. That you can make stops yeah. beyond just being able to force a bunch of turnovers. Um, just make stops. Just make stops. And if you can't make stops against this team, then then you're maybe they are the bend don't break team um, that we said that they that they could be or, or were were facing that that label right. And 
um, this is the team that you want to avoid that against. Um, Emory Jones, someone who comes to ASU from Florida, he replaces uh, Jaden Daniels, who's now at LSU. Jaden Daniels, I always felt like like he underperformed the ASU. Like he never reached the level that they wanted to get him to. Um, and I look at so far Emory Jones and kind of just doing the same thing. You you look at what he did last year at Florida, uh, started 10 games for the Gators. He was good. Um, good, not great. He, he's and, a capable um, quarterback. Yeah. He, and, but I don't know really, the system is there to allow the, the, the quarterbacks to succeed at the, at the, the optimum level. Um, defensively, uh, ASU still has Merlin Robertson in the middle of that defense. Uh, he's the heart and soul of that defense. He has been since he got there as a true freshman. Uh, leads the team, uh, tied for the lead in sacks, 33 tackles, a sack, a PBU, a forced fumble, all those things. Um, he's someone to watch to watch for on, on defense. But I guess the question is, what USC offense are we going to see? Are we going to see the, the offense that we saw the first three weeks of the season? Um, maybe the first two weeks of the season that were super explosive? Uh, the methodical de- uh, offense that we saw in week three, or are we going to see the sputtery offense um, that we saw last week against Oregon state that pulled it out at the end, but certainly didn't make things easy for themselves. I would tend to think that this will be an easier time for USC, just in the sense of, I don't know that this ASU team has the havoc makers to do to USC what Oregon State managed to do to USC. Now, I didn't necessarily think that Oregon State was going to have as much success as they did. So take that for what it's worth. Sometimes, you know, teams can come out of nowhere with with guys who step up. Um, But this team can't get pressure on the quarterback. They are 128th in sacks. They're averaging 0.5 per game, half a sack per game. That's just not good enough. Um, Their tackle for loss numbers aren't great. They're not creating havoc, and that is uh, that that that's a problem. And the interesting thing is that their pass defense is is okay. They rank thirtieth in pass defense. They give up one hundred ninety four point five yards per game. Defensive passer rating is forty ninth in the country, one hundred twenty two point five six for the passer rating, which is a, a pretty good you know for for a passing defense when you're not getting very much pressure on the quarterback. The problem is. They're missing a starting quarter, corner in Ro Torrance is is has been out for two games with an ankle injury. Not necessarily going to play this game. Un, unknown though, it's a question. But now they've had the Markham twins, uh, Kejuan and and Keon, step away from the team for personal reasons. Keon was starting in place of Torrance of Ro Torrance. So if he's not there, they're they're scraping down for their corners. Um, uh, Kijuan, it was a uh, the starting safety for the first two games, but he's now a he was now a backup at safety, another depth piece that's going to be missing for them. So their secondary is sort of bleeding a little bit. Um, if they're not able to get pressure on Caleb Williams, he won't have the issues that he had against Oregon State. Yeah. And the big thing that I'm circling for this game is hello Travis Die because they are 109th in rushing defense. They are 93rd in rushing yards per play. Um, you can eat on the ground against this team. And that is what I kind of want USC to come out and make a statement almost, like we talked about with that that USC win in 2005, it, except don't wait for the second half. Just come out and say, you know what? We're going to run until you stop us. And then on third down, 
you are the uh, 97th defense in third down conversion defense, giving up 41.7%. Caleb, only throw on third down if you need to. Like, that's the way I would go. I would just run, run. If you haven't gotten the first down yet, okay, let Caleb do his thing. Run, run. If you haven't gotten the first down yet, let Caleb, Caleb do his thing. I think you can um, can have a lot of success against this defense. And in a, in, a, in a lot of ways, this is also set up to be a good situation for USC's offense coming in, regain some confidence, and put up some points. Did I mention the other day, I think I did, that one of my favorite SC games of the past is the 2004 ASU game? Um, the week after the Cal game, uh, the Epic Cal um, the triple overtime? The no, that, not the no, triple over- 2004. Yeah, 2004, yeah. which was the, the win and the, the goal line stand and yeah. all that. Uh, the, the game that SC, you know, c- kind of steals it against Cal, and they go into the ASU game the next week and just murder them. Um, and that was a good ASU team in 2004 with Andrew Walter, quarterback. Really good ASU team. But they just took the momentum from that Cal game and just ran with it the next week. I'm kind of expecting that out of this game where, yes, SC struggled, especially offensively. We saw that with Caleb Williams, did not have a good game at all uh, against Oregon State. But I'm sort of expecting this game to just be where the dam breaks in terms of momentum, um, especially in the ground when you on the ground when you look at how ASU has been susceptible to the run. Ride the run, take all the momentum in the world, and take out all the frustration on last week being close by just taking it to ASU. I think that sort of uh, is my sort of blueprint for what this game could end up being. Um, SC clearly a um, sizable favorite, 25 and a half um, over over with Vegas. Roger Dodger in the chat uh, says, USC has to run until they stop dropping eight into coverage. USC has to have a plan for max pass coverage. Yeah. And yeah, I think that if exactly. you're ASU, if you're at ASU and you've seen the the uh, tape on this on this offense, you have to come into this game thinking we're going to drop eight. And so I, I just kind of want USC to say, you do that. Mm-hmm. And, and like with this ASU team, with a team with an interim coach, I think it's especially important at the Coliseum to, to sort of wear down their will early. And you do that by just running down their throat. And I think that watching, again, just an extended highlight package from from the Utah game, I think that this team, this ASU team, can be gotten down sort of in terms of body language. And that's what, if I was USC, I would come in thinking like, by the end of the first quarter, we want them to feel like they are done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've always thought that the, going to the interim, you can get some juice. Uh, we've seen SC do that before, right? With uh, Ed Ogeron um, in 2013, uh, they got some new juice, just a different voice, a different sounding voice. And obviously the voice of uh, Coach O, I'm not going to do that, <laughs> was decidedly different than Lane Kippen's voice in 2013, right? Um, and in 2015, when, uh, you know, SC found a way to win the division in 2015 uh last year they got the big win at washington state but ultimately it wasn't uh a sign of anything to to come beyond that right i don't expect asu to get sort of any juice out of not having herm there 
Uh, we saw that they they went down seventeen nothing really early on uh, to the Utes last week, and Utah being very good probably not indicative of being able to see that juice. But SC is very good too, so I don't think you'll necessarily see it uh, as well. Um, before we get to over under, I want to talk about Eric Gentry um, playing his old team. Um, the sophomore linebacker from Philly uh, went to ASU last year. He was a freshman All American. Now he's a Trojan. Um, what's going through your mind if you're Eric Gentry going into this game? Do you think? Uh, excited to see old teammates, um, but also I would be looking forward to show show them that, like, yeah, no, it was the right decision for me to come to USC and to to play really well. Uh, this is also this is a very interesting scenario, though, because when you're playing the former team, like, are you amped up and like ready to go, or are you? too amped up and maybe trying too hard to prove yourself and and maybe it sort of gets in your head. So that's something that Eric Gentry is going to have to to answer, but I would imagine that he's he's just he's excited to be at the Coliseum and and be on the right side for once. Yeah, there's there's talk in the chat about the the 55 and and uh Luan says should Eric Gentry get number 55 if he continues to the on to be on the pace that he's at right now. I, let's not I, let's not ea nate ote this let's, let's well just, i've a, learned my lesson <laughs> gentry was at least a freshman all-american it yeah. wasn't just one amazing game against colorado like ea had um i think gentry has a little bit more than that but i will side with what malcolm has said in the chat which is that the 55 thrison has passed no one wants to admit it I, I think that's the case i i think that you know unfortunately since um junior say left us way too early um i think it's made it very touchy for how that number gets distributed um and it's difficult to give that number to anybody and i think that it's only going to go to someone who is ultimately an all-american or something like that beforehand which i think takes away from the spirit of what that 55 was because the whole thing that 55 became valuable when seau gave it to willie mcginnis as a true freshman right yeah and, and and then it was given to you know and just handed down the whole list like it was given to 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 rivers and it was given to all those guys as freshmen yeah, but, and they had to embody what that number became but now they're that's scared gone. now they're scared of giving it away because of lamar dawson and because of the sort of disappointment of, of well what if the next guy turns out to be a bust right. so they don't give it to anyone and so the tradition dies and that's what i like i don't i I we've talked about this before on this podcast. Just give it to somebody. I don't yeah. care who it is at this point. I don't care if you want to award it to a player who was good the previous year and has earned it now going into the next year. I don't mm-hmm. care if you want to give it to a freshman coming in as a recruiting tool. What just give it to somebody so that it can restart so that it, we can get back into a somebody's going to be wearing the 55 or retire it. Do one or the other. Have it in circulation. Pick a way that we're going to do it and just hand it or retire it because it just, it's annoying to me that this Jersey, the middle, ground sucks, the, the middle right? ground sucks. It's yeah. not retired, but we're sort of holding it so that no one can, can ever have it. Like, no, if at the end of the season, um, Eric Gentry has earned it, I would be happy to see him get it. I would also be happy to see anyone get to wear it on the field. Uh, so We'll see what uh, what happens, but I think the biggest barrier right now is that, like, it's almost like what they need is somebody very obvious to give it to, 
And there hasn't necessarily been that guy that's like, yeah, he has to have it. And maybe there's a recruit that fits that mold that, that really wants it. But the further away we get, like at this point, if, if, you know, we still see guys wearing number five because of, of Reggie Bush, but like the 55 is now so far removed that like what recruit is coming into USC saying like, I, I want 55, give me 55. To Malcolm's point in the chat, like, you know, the 55 isn't one of those numbers. Um, Unfortunately, as much as SC fans value it, your, your 18 year olds are not like it's single digits that that are the big, the big deal. Right. Getting to a single digit is is the thing that you want to to be if if you yeah. are um, a player, right? Like that's that's the goal. And SC has been a big proponent of that. We see all the single digits on offense. Now, at the same time, I think that if you reinstilled the value of the fifty five by bestowing it on someone every year and all that stuff, you would rebuild um, yeah. the history of it. Look over at Michigan with how they deal with like the ninety eight, right? Yeah. Um, was a gardener that wore the 98 at quarterback. Like there's no kid that grew up wanting to wear 98 no. at quarterback. You know what I mean? But, but like, that's what when you provide history and a reason for people to, to buy in, it's, it's part a of your story. lore. Yeah. Make it part of your lore and embrace it as part of your lore. And if you're not going to then retire it like, yeah. yeah. 100%. See, there you go. Putting in a hundred percent because I there have nothing go. else to say on a live podcast. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get to the over under. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. Alicia, this is a big week because you and I are tied at 16 and 16. We need a week to decide who is going to take the lead. Am I going to get the lead after having a big comeback week last week when I went uh, six and was it five and two and you went one and six? Is this my week to take the lead, or are you going to, you know, get it right back? We'll see. What's your your first line and over-under this week? All right. You guys have to listen carefully because this is not a straightforward one. Uh Uh-oh. We're doing these. You know how there's a turnover margin? I'm setting a sack margin for this game. Plus 1.5 for USC. So USC's defense has 1.5 more sacks than ASU's defense. Does that make sense? We good? Okay. USC and ASU are both averaging 2.25 sacks allowed per game. Not a good average. USC needs to tighten that up. But USC's defense is averaging 3.5 sacks per game. So per game, USC's defense is averaging 1.5 sacks more than ASU's offense is giving up. Is that convoluted enough for you? I mean, I get it, but I hate it. Okay. I hate it. So over under plus 1.5 sack margin for USC's defense. Yeah. Or for USC, because it's about how many sacks USC gives up, how many sacks ASU gives up, and then how many sacks USC has and produces. Yeah. I I, I will be bold and take the over here. Okay. But uh, But you hate it. Yeah, I hate it for sure. <laughs> I had to get create this this <laughs> this matchup is so not interesting. <laughs> like no, I was like, not. how am I going to get creative on this? All right, my next one, ninety nine point five. Travis die rushing yards. Uh, he has three straight hundred yard games. 
ASU is 109th in rush defense, allowing 182.5 yards per game, uh, and 93rd in the country at 4.42 yards per carry. Does Travis Dye make it four straight uh, games of 100 yards? I am so torn on this. My gut is telling me no, because just simply because Relique Brown is getting more healthy week by week. Austin Jones is still very heavily involved in this in this uh, lineup, and like part of me thinks like the 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 sort of the stats probabilities say it's going to be no, but I'm I'm almost like <laughs> this is what goes on in my brain. Yes, he's going to do it, but also the probabilities say he won't, but also. If I say the under, then is it reverse psychology huh. so that then they will do it and give and and get die the carries that it would need to get to ninety nine to, to get to hundred yards? So then maybe I should take the under, even though I think it's going to be over. So that then when I lose that, it's for the better good because then USC will have like heard the cosmic stuff to say like no, run the ball, run the ball. Uh, so that's a long way of saying I'm going over. Okay. Um... I, I, I'll be honest. I think I, you kind of sold me on your, your rationale for why <laughs> it could be under. Yeah. Uh, really Brown is coming back. Also, I think that uh, we've talked about, um, spoiler alert, ASU is real bad. And I think that's going to allow for maybe more opportunities for Austin Jones to maybe um, make up for his performance last week at, at Oregon State, which was not up not to snuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you see, um, you know, more opportunities for other guys uh, down on the depth chart. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it'll, it'll be interesting. I think I, in, a th- in theory, should absolutely get the over there. But uh, I, I see, I see the the game plan for it being under. Um, what's your What's your next um, over under? Staying on the rushing theme, I'm going with 1.5 all caps, my guy die moments in this game. So a my guy die moment is going to be here like. You go a, with like the, the, the weird ones. This matchup is not worth setting detailed <laughs> lines no, based on that's stats. Fair. That's that, fair. This is the statement that I am making. That's fair. Um, 1.5 my guy die moments. That's a, that you should know one when you see one. I am uh, setting that line at 1.5. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one point five. We're talking about like big runs. Uh, yeah, big, block. big big runs or big play. Like just you. Like I said, you know, it's like a he makes me drool play in for the tight end. Like you know it when you see it. Yeah. Over. Oh, I like it. I'll be bold. I like it. I'll be bold. You're being bold. I feel like I got to uh, be yeah, bold Yeah, we got to be Even bold It's going to set me up to like lose all these things again. Um, my next one is completion percentage for Caleb Williams over under 67 and a half. Of course, he was not great last week. 44.4% of his passes were completed against Oregon State. Before that, 86% against Rice, 74% against Stanford, 68% against Fresno State. So, does he bounce back to that 68% level that he was at Fresno State? 67.5 over under completion percentage. I have 
a sneaking suspicion that so one of the things that we've been talking about for the past two weeks is something that USC wants to correct, and that is explosiveness for this offense in the passing game. I think they're going to try to go long, and I think that's going to bring down his completion percentage. So I'm going to go under, actually. Huh. And, uh, okay. and, and yeah, I, I, not far under, like, I think he'll be closer to 60%. Okay. I could see it go either way. I, I could see him continue to have struggles. Um, last year when he had those, those two bad games, the next game he was, you know, still barely over 50%, um, and had to work it back up. So mm-hmm. that could make sense. Or I could see him having a maturation thing where he just gets it back. He could complete 95% of his passes in this. Like it would not surprise me. Yeah. I could see it either way. Uh, what's your last one? All right. I'm going 1.5 plus 1.5 USC turnover margin. So it's been big question this week. Is USC's turnover margin sustainable? They're at plus 14. They're averaging plus 3.5 per game. That's pretty insane. It's leading the nation by a whole lot. No one's even close. Right. And part of that is because they're not turning the ball over. They are, if I remember correctly, the only team in the nation that has yet to turn the ball over. That's correct. And they are producing a ridiculous number of turnovers. Yeah. So the question of, like, is it sustainable? Can they possibly keep not turning the ball over and keep getting multiple turnovers in each game? Um, be pretty, pretty difficult. But, you know, ASU is a team that has produced turnovers. They have a turnover in each game so far. They've also lost a turnover in each game so far. They were minus two versus Utah, so definitely wasn't a good game for them. So will USC manage to have a plus two turnover margin in this game, or will the rate of growth for USC's turnover margin um, slow down? I'm, I I got to take the law of averages and say under. I think that's the right way to go. And I think there's a very good chance I could win this just, I, I, just because of pure ridiculousness. <laughs> realistically, I mean, SC is probably going to turn the ball over in the game. You right? ha- like, I, like you have to think, right? Th- it's been four games. Like just it's, there's, there's going to be a weird fumble, a weird tip, so- something, right? Like they're, they're just due. Yeah. They're, they're due for some some turnover. USC Even has had three fumbles and recovered all three of them. Yeah, so like that's fumble luck has been on their side. Um, tip luck and all those things. Like yes. So okay. So if they commit one turnover, then that means to get the over, they'd have to force three. Are they going to force three plus again? I don't like that's a lot to ask for. So I, that that gives me the under. I still think they could be like plus one on the turnover margin. Yeah, but that's, like, that's why I said it at 1.5. Yeah. Tim says in the chat, I said that last week, right? Yeah, I did say that last I keep, week. Yeah. I mean, every week I keep saying like they're going to run more than the over-under is. And then USC's yeah. defense holds them under. So it's it's a crapshoot here. All right. My last one. I said 19 over-under 19 and a half points uh, of scoring offense for Arizona State. Trojans have kept... Three of their four opponents under 20, which has been nice in the teens. Can they do it again? ASU is averaging just 22.8 points per game over under 19.5. Yeah, I you as you were setting this line, you were like, man, I hate this line. Like you're going to just take the under and I'm going to lose. And I'm like, well, mm hmm. My scoring predict my my game prediction is, you can't is talk about production. You can't tell people that we set the line before we pod. I know. What are you doing? It's not off the cuff. 
<laughs> I am actually going over on this one. I think that the the again, it's the law of averages. The luck is going to fall to to run out at a certain point. I don't think that means that USC's defense is going to be in danger, but I do think it's it's a situation where Arizona State is going to be able to score a point or two, just a touchdown or two, just by the very nature of offenses occasionally do that. I think yeah. that uh, Valade could break a break a run and score that way. I think Emory Jones could hit a really sweet pass. Like if you watch him, you see him hit a really sweet pass every once in a while, and maybe that's the thing that gets them to the end zone. I just think the likelihood of another opponent being held under twenty is lower than ASU scoring twenty one. So, yeah, I. I, I, I'm torn. So do, do, do you see this as like garbage time scoring? Potentially. Yeah. I think uh, it could be garbage time. It could be something similar to what, to what ASU did with Utah where Utah's up 17 okay. to nothing. And then Utah sort of is on cruise control and yeah. ASU just starts chipping away a little bit and they're never really in danger of actually I'm... turning around the game, but they, they build up some points here and there. They can, kick field goals so they get into field goal range they're not going to miss those field goals as often as maybe Oregon State or Stanford did yeah I I'm I'm fine with being locked into the under uh, that's a little precursor to my to my preview I mean my my prediction uh which let's get into game predictions uh Bill Connolly has SC winning on a 79 percent clip here uh with the prediction predicted score of 35-21 we talked about it before. Vegas has USC as 25 and a half point favorites. Uh, Alicia, what is your prediction? I have USC 40, ASU 21. I don't think that this game will be necessarily that close. I think it's more likely that USC doesn't cover that 25.5 point spread because I think it's more likely that USC does follow the Utah blueprint here. Getting out to a, a nice sort of three-score lead and then just cruising to the end, I think that we're going to have a situation where ASU does pick away and start to pick up points and gets up over the 20-point margin, and it's just sort of a routine kind of game. Yeah, like for me, like this is like one of those issues where like I'm trying to see where USC can go in this game. Um, two weeks ago or last week, I was like thinking like this could be one of the moments where SC could have a 70 to seven type win. I've talked about it before. Like there's, there's like three that I could like see on the schedule. Um, the Colorado game, of course, no pulse ASU, like seemingly like no pulse. Um, but last week's USC's offensive performance made me think that maybe they're not ready to score 70 points. Like just quite like, <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. not ready to score 70. So I love it. At that point, I, I think that SC gets like close, but like not quite. So 55 points for SC. Uh, they do hold ASU under the 20 points, 17. I'll say 17, 55, 17. I like that score line. I like your score line better than my score line. I'm rooting for your sky score line. That would be a lot of fun. I think my scoreline could also be a lot of fun, but uh, you know that's uh, that's 
you got to do what you got to do with these score predictions. All right. Uh, we're going to hit into the mailbag. So if you got questions, you're watching us here on YouTube. Uh, first thing first, go over to the, the video and hit like. Uh, just like the thing. Like, like the video, please. Yeah, like it, and that'd be great. Also, subscribe, uh, subscribe, subscribe. Yes. And uh, throw your predictions in the chat, too. Uh, Remember, Murray says 48-10. The Lizard King, 55-3. to Lizard King's 55-3 to just hit me somewhere. Hit me in a place somewhere that was like that. That's the one. It's 55 good- nothing would be even sweeter, but 55-3, that's the one. It's it's a big margin for sure. All right. Mailbag. Let's get to these. You've got mail. Um, Start answering questions here. Remember, Murdy says that the game turns to a blowout by halftime. Get the car episode, car cast episode. Start early instead of waiting until after the game is over. We can talk about the game while it's still going on. We did that at one point last year. We obviously weren't doing live. There podcasts. were multiple games where we started the car cast before the in game the fourth ended. quarter. Yeah. yeah, and not because it was a good game for USC, but because it was. You want to just get started on the car cast? Like this is so. This is so dumb. So I don't know. It would have to be under special circumstances. I think. Um, I, I think this could. If the game is going long, I think that we could we could potentially do that. Um, I think it's difficult when. We have been saying that it's when the game is over. And so... Because um, we don't want to start it without people knowing that that's where we're sort of going with it. Yeah. yeah. So also one of the things that I quite enjoyed was feedback from others where they said that they were listening in the car as they were leaving the game. Yeah, which is awesome. So that's, yeah, that's, maybe what that's the point of the car cast. That's probably to be. The, the argument for waiting until the final whistle to go ahead and, and start. So... Yeah. yeah. One of... We've gotten feedback lately on YouTube about why we are naming things the way that we name them. Uh, like, why are the game recap episodes, the the Monday night shows, why are they called Fallout episodes? Well, one of them, and one of that is because it, that goes back to an old fan-sided strategy where you talk about um, the Fallout um, in terms of what we do would do for coverage would be um, at the beginning of the week is the Fallout from the game. And so, like, I like that concept, and so that's why we use the name Fallout. But CarCast, the etymology of CarCast is twofold. One, we were recording those those post-game episodes in cars for years, years and years. We'd be, we'd, uh, so many of them were recorded in the McDonald's parking lot on Figueroa, uh, between Figueroa and Flower. Um, after games, we'd be in the Jack in the Box parking lot, or mm-hmm. we'd be ooh munchy meals. Post game munchy meals were a favorite of mine. Yeah, the the that Colorado game in 2019 when we were in a uh, a Wendy's parking lot in the middle of nowhere, Colorado. Yeah, yeah, that, that was that was fun. Whataburger parking lots in Dallas. Yes, um, but so those were truly in a car. But the whole idea of the car cast goes back to. I'm a big fan of the um, All the King's Men podcast. And back in 2014, they were doing uh, the, the King's Run to the Cup. They were doing um, episodes where they would be outside the arena, outside of wherever they were, whether they were at the pond or uh, for road games uh, or Staples, whatever. And they'd stand around a car and have a conversation. And so for me, the, the car cast is like the idea is 
those are the conversations you have with your with the people who you went to the game with either in the car driving home or it's the conversation that you have on the way to the car either way the car is involved right yeah. and so well, to and- know that some people are listening to the car cast as they drive home from the game warms me up inside yeah. like that's what it's supposed to be about and now we're recording them this the is like studio. three straight years where we've not been in a car doing it um and that's a bummer from a you know logistical standpoint because it kind of misses the vibe of what the car casts were but at the same time it's the same conversation right it's the same thing same thing quicker also yeah. better uh, audio yeah, and more comfortable for us because I can tell you holding a microphone in the car <laughs> is with the air off. Or we would fog the windows. Fog in the windows, yeah. And then security people so would drive awkward. by. Yes, yeah. very terrible. Yeah. Yes, but, um, you know, it, it's a little weird, but people know them as car cast, so we stick with them as, uh, as car cast. Uh, let's get another question uh, from uh, JY. Uh, can you all share what you've learned about their quarterback, Emory Jones? Yeah, I think I got into the a little bit during the during the preview. He has ability. He, um, I think he's maybe a little bit more of a statue than I expected in the sense of I think he was taking some sacks that maybe you just want to get the ball away. He does have three running touchdowns. Uh, I don't know what the nature of those touchdowns are, to be quite honest. So uh, they could be QB sneaks for all I know, but he has an arm. Like that's the thing is, is he, he has an arm and if USC gives him an opening and doesn't get to him, I think he could carve up this defense uh, in the passing game. The problem is ASU has done a really, really poor job of protecting him and not giving him time to throw. So he's had to make every throw that he makes that I've, that I've seen is with a man in his face. And sometimes he's able to pull those off and it's quite impressive. And sometimes he takes a sack. So it's just one of those things where you could imagine him behind a better offensive line being steadily productive. But I, I, I don't know that you see anything that suggests that he's like a great quarterback that, that USC needs to really, really fear, certainly not in this offense. Yeah. I, you know what he is for me? Jaden Daniels light. I mean, I would say a lot less dangerous than Jaden Daniels because yeah, at least Jaden Daniels light. Yes, light. But like, yeah, where Jaden Daniels like could complete a really pretty pass uh, occasionally, but it's just like he was never particularly on top of things when he when he did that. So I don't see from a from Emory Jones the same kind of like if you don't get him down for a sack, he's going to kill you with a twenty yard run though. So that's one thing less thing to worry about. Yeah, uh, which was absolutely a problem that, that SC had. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, let's go to a couple of questions. Uh, Chris C says, hat game is strong once again. Uh, and the Lizard King said, uh, WTF is the logo on my, on Michael's hat. Uh, it is the uh, the Hartford uh, Yard, Yard Goats. Goat. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Minor league baseball team. Yeah. This was a Christmas gift that you got. You got me this for Christmas, right? Yeah, I got you that and the Rough Riders. Uh, Frisco Rough Riders. Frisco Rough Riders. Which I've worn in a couple of episodes. Yeah, in a couple of episodes too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, though. I appreciate it. Um, Lamont says, uh, should Eric Gentry get 55? We talked about that earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Randy says, question with the unique makeup of this team and this being a new staff. Still learning each player. I can see the starting lineup and rotations changing quite often as the season goes on. 
What say you? Um, I, 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 I think each season goes in its own sort of way that doesn't necessarily have to do with like the, the particular staff or the particular layout of a, of a season rotations tend to get narrowed down as coaches figure out who they can rely on. They also get narrowed, narrowed down by who's injured. Um, and then occasionally guys pop and, and are able to burst themselves into a rotation. But I think that's just a little bit more rare. I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, I would, this is a a roster that is still trying to figure itself out. Right. Uh, We know that there's injury issues on defense with Romello hideout. Um, Corey Foreman has been in and out of the lineup. So there's going to be places where I think you're going to see more rotation. Um, There's already been opportunities for guys to come out of the buried depth chart hell that they're in. Solomon Bird. Solomon Bird was someone who was like third team in week one. And then by week two, he was like first team already. Yeah. And we saw that especially week three and four. He's been a first teamer as a starter on this defensive line. So there's ample opportunities for people to grow. So as those opportunities are there, I expect that the rotations will continue, uh, continue to change um, going forward uh, this season. Jason B says, let's discuss the number one issue, USC's inability to pass protect. Caleb has had zero time in the pocket before it collapses. Okay, so this is interesting. I pulled up the tweet that we talked about earlier, Michael, I, so that I could give this, this is, fun fact. I don't dis, like when you watch the Oregon State game, yes, that was a major issue. He was constantly like under duress, and it was amazing that he wasn't sacked like 38 times, especially there in the middle quarters 100 percent, i agree having said that alicia go to the stat usc quarterback caleb williams has a 3.28 second time to throw average which is the longest in fbs yeah and who's that from that's from eric fronten i i don't know how we, we were talking about this before we started recording. i don't know how, I don't know how that's recorded I don't know how they calculate that. Is that from snap to throw? Is that from snap to a defender getting within a certain sphere of the quarterback? Is that a snap to a hurry or a sack or anything like, like, I don't know exactly how they calculate that, but I think it's telling because what we've seen basically is very, a very much a feast or famine protection. Caleb either gets a million hours to throw or none. And I think that we saw that against Oregon state too, where, they were getting in his face immediately or he was given plenty of time and he, he just sort of missed a throw occasionally. So more often than not um, against Oregon state, it was an inability, inability to pass protect. And I think a lot of that had to do with Bobby Haskins, not looking right at left tackle yeah, with the, with potentially dealing with an injury. I think also the way that Oregon state was sending their blitzes were that delayed blitz thing that kind of flummoxed USC's offensive line in the past as well. So I think that this is something that USC's offense is not just an offensive line issue. Of course, the offensive line is a major component to that and they need to sort themselves out too. But I think it's also an offensive scheme and play calling issue where if a team is sending those, is approaching a game with that, with the the defensive approach to the pass rush that Oregon state had, how do you counter it? You counter it by quicker passes, by just getting the ball out. Maybe you run a draw. Maybe you run a, 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 um, 
a screen. We haven't seen, you know, slip screens that I would have loved to have seen script slip screen, slip screens in that game to counterbalance the way that Oregon State was getting through. So I think it's a multi-part thing, but it's worth noting that in terms of the stats, um, the first three games, Caleb was given a million hours to throw. So it's it, it could just be the way that Oregon State approached it was what got through to this offensive line. So I'm skeptical about any of those numbers. I'm skeptical I mean, about again, the PFF we don't know, stuff. We don't know where they come from. Um, we don't know how they're calculated. So. I, I like that there's analytics for these things. I'm pro analytics. I'm give me all that data. I, I guess I'm skeptical on how that stuff is actually formulated when we don't have uh, all 22, uh, you know, camera angles for every game and all yeah. these things. Like it's, how exactly are they generating these these kind of numbers? Um, having said that, yeah, like I mean, the eye test bears it out though. Like for me, well, to to go to the point, what, what how is it being recorded in the sense of Caleb Williams is very good at extending the pocket? So is this because he extends the pocket and and his ability to evade adds time there? I don't know. Secondly, USC's offensive line was the best unit. Um, on USC's offense last season, mm-hmm. uh, I think we agree that they were right. That's the, I don't think that's a hot take. The, the offensive line was very good last year, and the offensive line through three games, the first three games, were very good. Um, so I had no issues there until the, the Oregon State until game, the which, Oregon State game, yeah. and that's the one where it's like you start to have questions about is is Caleb Williams missing Cortland Ford. So, yeah, Ooh, I, I don't know. I, I think might gonna, be back this I, week. I think we're going to see more as we as we go forward to to really understand uh, those things um, as we go. Uh, next question: um, Randy says, "Do you think the the starters are out by midpoint of the third quarter? If if my score the fifty five seventeen comes to fruition, yes, Alicia's forty to twenty one. Yeah, I would say probably not. Here's my issue, though. We have three games. Two of them were comfortable enough to pull starters in the third quarter, and and if, I don't think they did. So I would guess that you'll they would pull starters by the fourth quarter. We haven't seen Lincoln Riley be that quick to say, let's just wrap this up. So, yeah. Yeah, I... We'll see. I, I I would think it would be great if you had the starters in there, um, first drive of the third quarter and then out. If you're able to just make this a true grave digger offense, uh, drop a whole bunch of points at the beginning and then bounce. I think that'd be great for USC's development, especially with Washington State looking like a potential trap game ahead of Utah. Um, Alex says, "Do you see the situation where Chris Claiborne could return as a USC position coach?" Sure, I think that that would be cool. I think nobody's rooting against that, right? Like he's, you always want your legends to come back, especially in an assistant role where they'd have less pressure as they would as a head coach. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I also want it to be because for the real reason because he's earned right? it. You yeah, know, for go, reasons. go go coach at other places and prove yourself as a really top tier linebackers coach, and then yes, absolutely come and return. Yeah, Trek Ranger says I just realized both of you are in the same room. 
The loser king says they are always in the same room. Uh, and Roger Dodger says, no, they just shop, both shop at Ikea. I love the Roger Dodger, though, won the chat with that one. <laughs> that made me made Yeah, me laugh. we're actually in completely different rooms. We just have the, the same. Yeah, we, we create things. the same background for us. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I'm trying to mess with you guys. The Lizard King, well, will Miller Moss play the entire fourth quarter? That, that's that's the hope. Right? That, I would say, is more likely than pulling starters halfway through the third quarter. Nate says, uh, do we deserve our number six ranking? I think we look good, but are we really that good? To the point where someone in the chat says, who definitively is better than USC at this point? Are there, are there five or six teams? I think there are three teams. Every, there's Georgia. Yeah. There's Alabama and there's Ohio State. Those three teams are better than anyone else on the planet. Alabama being weirdly the question mark because they struggled against Texas, but you give them the benefit of the doubt because it's Alabama and Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Those three teams don't compare against anybody else. Outside of that, you have a bunch of flawed teams that are not infallible, and that's what that's what's great. Um, Clemson has flirted with disaster for a long time, right? SC is not a perfect team. Absolutely. Are, are are they maybe what we think of as a number six team? No, but I think that what we have in our mind of what you what a number six team is, is never actually real. The, like well, it's, not, it's not real. Right now in this day and age, a number six team is a team that is not a playoff team. Yes. So, so I say that's perfectly exactly where I think USC is. They're on the upper, the upper echelon of teams who are not playoff teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, last thing before we, uh, we head out here. Uh, Josh Geyer says, I usually listen to Rod on Spotify at 1.5 speed. Crazy person, man. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. But, but here I am on YouTube. And I'd like to like, to like and subscribe to your new channel. Listening at real time speed has been fun. Out of body experience. You guys are. See, I can't even read can't that. can't even do it. Well, I, we've been told before that when you listen to us on, when you get used to hearing us on um, 1.5 speed or two speed, then you listen to us like as normal. It sounds like we're drunk and slurring our words, <laughs> which we promise we're not. But like that is always an experience to me. Yeah, it, it's it's always wild. Yeah, a Lizard sorry. King says Michigan too. Yeah, I think B- Michigan is one of those top teams. Too. Michigan's like a 0.5. Like they might they're flirting with being in that three but not quite there but certainly closer to being a playoff caliber team to me right now than usc just in terms of they've been better than usc for the past few years so yeah yeah go back to josh's comment we we appreciate you dude we appreciate you and appreciate everybody here in the chat uh be sure to like the the video like this the stream uh and subscribe 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 all we want all we want for for Elise's birthday, which was last week, is a thousand subscribers. Just get us there. Just get us. We're so close, guys. Yeah. We're so almost close. there. Uh, we get us a thousand subscribers, and I will uh, do nothing weird. I would <laughs> promise to do something weird, but I, I'm I don't want to actually do that. I, I listen I, to this Big Brother. I do this Big Brother podcast where somebody made a, a a bet that they would eat a chapstick on air if somebody got to a certain point in the game. And they did. And I was just like, why would you ever make that bet? So like, I, 
I, Josh in Buckeye Country, I, I don't think he's in the chat today, but he was trying to bait me into doing a, a drinking a thing of mustard. Well, if I something said, happened. I was like, there's no way in hell I would do that. I said I'd drink a gallon of mustard if SC lost to ASU a couple weeks ago. I said that. Well, I'm not. I was trying not to bring that up. Because are you I, I want to take that back. Oh, I don't. I don't, mm. I don't mean that. No, I don't mean like I. I again, I'm predicting the SC to win 55-17. So I think that. <laughs> they're gonna have their way with the issue but i also i, I don't want to do that i mean maybe for the views it would be good but yeah. all i know is i made a pickle bet a couple years ago relating to port augustine playing in a game and, you had to and eat a that cyborg decided to play and i had to eat a pickle and it was traumatic and i will never make that kind of bet ever again no i would wouldn't need a pickle if my life depended yeah. on it all right, guys, uh, we will be back on Saturday night for the CarCast. Uh, right after the game ends, we will hop on here. Uh, the I, nice I, thing about the CarCast is if you're up and you want uh, to hear stuff about USC, when the game ends, we'll be right there. If you are on the East Coast, like many of our loyal followers, and don't want to stay up past 1 o'clock, then go to sleep when you wake up. The episode will be right there ready for you on uh, on YouTube or in the podcast catcher. So. If you subscribe, it will be ready for you. It will be ready right yeah, there for so you. You'll get you a notification subscribe. that it's even there. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, this guy, uh, Z- Zakari Best in the chat says mustard is Castillo's kryptonite. <laughs> Zakari um, Best. P- potentially. Uh, hey. the, other, the other thing I want to point out, we talked about the car cast. Next week's game, the, AS- the Washington State game, it's on at 430, which is beautiful. Perfect. Because that means the game is going to end at 8 o'clock Pacific. We can do the car cast. We'll be done with the car cast before the Japanese Grand Prix. It's going to be perfect. In Suzuka at 10 p.m. Pacific. Yes. You got to love it. Yes. Also, shout out to Randy for challenging the chat to get their significant significant <laughs> others accounts and subscribing. We are not yeah. a, We are not above asking for you to... There you go. To get your kids' accounts, get your burner accounts, get your significant others' accounts. Yeah. Let's do it. All of them. Uh, your, your poor kids. So they're like waiting for, like, why for is... Blippi, and then all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> we pop in. Troy. Hey, yeah. get them started on the football early. It's <laughs> it's fine. All right. Uh, we will we will catch you then, everybody. Uh, Lizard King says, I look forward to the car cast. We look forward to seeing you in the chat. So yes. uh, until then, thanks, and uh, see you.